0: Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here for another episode of Show Weekend with Kenny, Lady Chow Fung, and Adam, and tonight we're going to be talking about a movie called Supreme Swordsman, but first I just wanted to mention uh, we have a Patreon page, which we're going to link below, and if anybody wants to support us, feel free to follow the link and consider one of the tiers, there are different rewards, uh, we use the money basically for things like movies when we, uh, when we have a difficulty getting them on venues like Amazon Prime or Netflix. And occasionally we have to use them for hardware if people need replacement mics or anything. Um, so tonight we're doing, uh, and again, there's, there's a little lack of clarity on the exact date this was made, but according to the film that we saw on Amazon Prime, it was made in 1984, and it was directed by Keith Lee, and the title is Supreme Swordsman. And it's a mid-80s Shaw Brothers film. That strikes a balance between classic Shaw Brothers Wuxia and sort of more Gonzo Wuxia or Kung Fu. It's about Swordsmaster Qin Wu Jin, whose high ambitions lead him into conflict with Yan Bei, played by Derek Yi. When Qin Wu Jin kills Yan Bei's father, it becomes an epic quest for revenge. And I should mention that Qin Wu is played by Jason Pai Piao. Um so yeah, so why don't we just get right into everybody's initial impressions of this movie? I
1: mean, really enjoyed it. Okay, I mean, um a movie and yet yeah, have everything being very clear about sort of like modeling uh any any plot lines or um or leaving you know, too much out so that it's all a bit vague. But yeah, you know, this yeah, I really enjoyed watching the movie and I thought that um yeah, both um Jason Piao and Derek Yee did a very good job in their roles, and I thought the choreography was pretty amazing too. I, I, don't, I wouldn't really say it was that, that gonzo, really. Uh, I think mean, At least in this movie, I thought it was all sort of fairly standard um, effects, and, and hmm. visual. Uh, but visually speaking, it was a very fairly standard affair, I thought. So. It was a really good movie. I'm
2: glad you liked it, because this is one of my favourite Derek Yee movies. Um, Derek Yee is one of my top five favorites. Um, I love Jason Pai Piao also, and Kufeng makes a little appearance in this too. So it was really uh, a really good movie. The choreography was good. Um, I liked the storyline. I also liked um, the little actress that played um, uh, King King. Uh, she was really really good in her little role i thought um she was very convincing and my three favorites actually were um the three grandpas i thought they were really funny they were were good addition
0: they were Mm -hmm. fun apparently they're they're uh you know they're uh a little bit controversial in some of the reviews i was looking at online but i i enjoyed them um and uh so adam what did you think
3: I thought it was great. I mean, it's it's a case where there is kind of a strange tonal shift, like partway. Actually, starting when the grandpa show up, the movie kicks on a much lighter tone. It starts almost more in the more grounded, for kind of style. And from that point on, it, it has a very different feel when Derek Yee kind of becomes the main character for the second half. And I... I mean, it would be easy for that to not work, but I think it works perfectly in this movie. I, I think both halves of the movie worked and they fit together very well. And it, it was kind of interesting because you, you follow the, the villain through the early part of the movie and then you kind of return to him at the end. And I think that really pays off because when the hero confronts the villain, you've, you've spent a lot of time with that character. and I think it gives the final confrontation a lot of weight.
0: Yeah, and, and I do want to bookmark something Kenny said because I, I think we should probably discuss whether the second portion is Gonzo or what the quality of it, what the character of it is, because uh, because it is it is interesting that we have differences of opinion on that. I this was the first time I saw this movie, and uh, and 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 I and I really wish I had seen it before because I, I I would have loved to have seen it like a bunch of times before discussing it because it seems like there's a lot of little things that I would have liked to have paid more attention to. But I thought it was a great movie. It had all of the elements that I like, to me, it felt like it really was sort of in the, initially in the style of real classic Shaw Brothers. And then as it went on, it got a little bit more crazy and like more of the tonal shift stuff going on. Uh, but what I really liked about it was just the setup, the, the, the idea of this guy who's going around killing swordsmen in duels and taking their swords so he can make his 100 swords manor or whatever it was. And then how that causes him to be intertwined with the Derek E character. And then how there's this, uh, black magic clan that we slowly learn about. And it's, and there's this backstory and it, it just—it just all felt very smooth and natural, and it felt like a really good film. I was surprised that the director only had one other movie, and that the other movie—what was it called? Something about centipedes. Um,
3: centipede um, horror. Centipede yeah, this horror. Yeah, this was a really well put together movie. Like you I mean, it, you know, it's, it's hard to do what this movie was doing and pull it off.
0: Yeah, so it was—it was kind of surprising to see. I mean, again, he's—he he has all kinds of other experience making movies, so maybe that explains it, but. It was, uh, but I mean, for somebody which has two directing credits, unless Hong Kong movie database is wrong, which is possible sure. since it's clearly got some issues with the date of the movie, uh, you know, I was, I was very impressed. Um, so I guess we should get into the, the gonzo discussion in that case. Uh, did, do you got, like, basically what I was thinking was the first part of the movie felt like like much more like the early seventies style Shaw brothers movies. And then the second portion felt just more like, you know, like Budapam type stuff, you know, like maybe not quite at that level, but it felt more in the sort of Gonzo territory to me.
3: It was definitely more playful, but I don't know if I go all the way to Gonzo. Okay.
1: I mean, I guess it depends on what the definition of Gonzo here is. I, I always assumed Gonzo just meant like so far out of field, like it was just completely outrageous and like, yeah, um, and pituitous. I but I didn't feel that for any part of the movie so well maybe yes i'm struggling a little bit to see where the sort of the gonzo uh moniker comes from here
0: okay i mean maybe maybe we're, we're using uh, different definitions of gonzo but also i do think that you, you, your criticism might be valid in that it's what i'm responding to is a few of the key things like the when they go into the cave in the uh black magic clan and the uh um and there are those flying men with the masks on you know, scenes like that just felt kind of gonzo to me. And the, and the scenes with, with all the sort of weird tonal shifts and everything felt pretty gonzo. So, so that's sort of what I was thinking. But, but definitely, I think, but either way, it sounds like we agree that there were tonal shifts in the movie, that, it, that it, it started sort of classically rooted and then it kind of became a little bit more zany. Definitely. I definitely.
3: It definitely got more fantastical. I wouldn't go to Gonzo, but I would feel comfortable saying it gets okay. fantastical.
0: Okay, Adam, what's your definition of Gonzo? Just to, maybe, maybe mine's a little
3: off. A <laughs> uh, well, Buddha's palm is my definition of okay. Gonzo, definitely. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, once once you've got like the you know colorful effects on the screen and people shooting bolts of energy at each other a lot, and you know, people having giant feet that they use to smash people, you know, that's 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 when you're well into the realm of Gonzo. But uh okay. this, this approached it. I will I will say it approached it, but it didn't didn't quite close it. No, but, I, I mean the flying coffin guy, the coffin guy was that that actually I might I might and, consider it the Gonzo territory.
0: And I think honestly it not closing it is one of the things I like about it because it kind of gets up to the line but it's restrained enough that it yeah. keeps that the that the quality of the film feels intact despite you know what I mean it doesn't it doesn't shatter all of this because there's like a lot of emotional stuff that's built into the plot leading up Mm. to that, that, that tonal shift. Um, Yeah. I,
3: I, you know, watching this movie, one thing I thought was interesting with the tonal shift is we were following, you know, one character for half the movie and he's the one who, you know, is too aggressive. He's kind of viewing this whole thing as a contest. He's, you know, that isn't a hero in any sense. And it's like, it's kind of like there is this fantastical world going on but he's never given entry to it yeah and then we kind of switch to this other character who's more heroic and he you know he actually makes the journey into this kind of side of the world that you know that the villain is never never going to get to see basically
0: and i think the I mean, we should talk about the world because the world really does feel very fleshed out you get you get the it opens i mean it's really just dealing mainly with one clan in this case i think but there's huge backstory with it And you Mm -hmm. get a sense that it's populated with all these interesting figures. And essentially what it boils down to is the, well, I guess there's kind of two organizations because there's the Supreme Swordsman who sort of forced them to retire their clan temporarily and then put them in charge of these two objects. And something about that backstory was really, I don't know, it just worked for me really well. And And I liked that. When you first meet um, the the Jason Pai Piao character and his and you see his relationship with his master, you sort of think his master's like a sinister guy, maybe. Um, but you learn more about him, and and really the 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 I think the only real bad guy in this movie is is um, is the Chin Wu character. It's not you know the the his master was sort of part of maybe a shady clan that reformed itself. And I'd argue
1: like that Chin Wu. Woo- wasn't necessarily like bad to start with like it makes sense like we you know without knowing the second half of the uh, of the movie and just looking at the first half i'd say like he he starts off like definitely not a good person obviously but he seemed reasonable like he challenged people in open combat and he defeats them and takes their swords which by most Wishar metrics is a, a decent honorable person right and it's only until he starts learning about the, you know, the more fantastical world, the you know, mystic weapons and uh, hidden martial arts manuals that he starts going a bit unhinged, and um, yeah, you know, and, and dropping his honor as a swordsman, like stabbing people with a boot dagger for <laughs> of all things, and that kind of stuff, and betraying his master. Yeah, all of that stuff comes after he learns that there is another world outside of what he views as as his yeah you know, his reason for being. That like he wanted to be the supreme swordsman. But he learns that he can't be a supreme swordsman unless he has all of these other additional items and uh, techniques. So it kind of, and that kind of drives him off the path of his original intent.
0: Yeah, there there does seem to be some character development there because the whole thing with his master withholding the the backhand or the what was was it the backhand technique was that the yeah the, the backhand gun? technique. I, I kept yeah. thinking of my grandfather threatening backhanders <laughs> whenever. Uh, but, uh, but 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 what's I like the technique? What was that? I
3: kept thinking of tennis, but <laughs> well, uh,
0: but, but the uh, but but I like the visual way it was used too because he, st- I was a little unclear on what backhand was here because in one instance he was he was literally holding the sword in like a backhanded position, and then later in the movie he said he was using backhand but he wasn't doing that so I don't know if they I, I don't I don't know if that was a bad translation or what but I really liked the way it looked when he was holding it differently I thought that kind of made it sort of a cool style. Um, but, but that seemed to be the thing that really turned him. It was almost like a, um, uh, like you said, when he first shows up, I thought, oh, he's just really ambitious, which is, you know, it's, he, he, he's not like a great guy, but he wasn't, he wasn't a horrible villain. But by the end of the movie, I feel like once you kill your master, then you yeah. cross yeah. the line. Things change into, then. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Once you stab your master in the back, literally. Yeah, with a poison uh, dagger. With a poison dagger. Yeah, with dagger. a poison dagger, yes. <laughs> and I like the way the master's like, it's like, you know, he's already been stabbed in the back. Then he knows there's poison on it. It's like, oh man. He, like, you know, has a real reaction to that. It's like, I just thought he stabbed me with a normal dagger in the back. <laughs>
1: It's all fine, you know. Poison? (laughs) That's too far. I'm sorry, I I, I can't handle that. Well, what was
0: what was he said to him? Don't you have any moral scruples? Was that the? Yeah, Yeah, that that was. So. No, he—he's one of these characters. He starts out somewhat respectable and just—you know—he really reminds me of the J—not the—not the, not the J Valley Master, the Passionless Valley Master. Uh, yeah, who begins as yeah. sort of this. There's like this veneer of respectability, and then just as it drops, he just becomes more and more depraved, and you know, just almost animalistic by the end.
3: Yeah, the difference, of course, is we don't have any sign that there's anything bad in the past of this guy it was the passionless valley masters you go through the store and you find out, oh wait he did he was all right he was yeah. always a horrible guy yeah. he just didn't know
0: <laughs> but uh and what do you guys think of the uh the Derek yi character um and of Derek mm-hmm. yi's performance is um Jan bay
2: i enjoyed his performance as yan bay i i I don't know why people say that he's such a bad actor. I think he's a great actor. I mean, his um, movements are are great, and he has very expressive, big brown eyes, which I find that you can say a lot with your eyes. Just looking at people can convey your emotions, and I think he does that very well. Um, I think his performance was great. Kind of... Um, weird seeing him not as strong his character not being a very strong swordsman as you see in other films that he's in where he's really really a master at the sword and here he's not really that good of a master but he does learn the secret of the sword which helps him to defeat his enemy so he's smart and good but not as good as you usually is
0: yeah, and I I don't I don't get the criticism of him either. I I I find him to be a very charismatic uh, actor. I think he can work well as a villain or as a hero. I think he he really shines in a lot of the choi Yuen movies that he's in. Like Choy mm-hmm. Yuen really seems to know how to use Derek E. Well, yes, and he definitely. understands like what Derek E. brings to the table in terms of the visuals. But but I think Derek E. fine. And I I was looking for that this movie because like I've heard that so much. But I don't understand why that keeps coming up whenever, you know, in discussions and things. And the only thing I could think of is he looks a little bit skinny at times, but that was maybe the clothing. Do you know what I mean? And it wasn't like it wasn't like once you put the out the his heroic outfit on, he didn't wear it fine. So I don't know. And, and also Derek, E has like a particular way of parrying in what like that that I really like like he kind of he kind of thrusts the sword out and leans back and it looks really good on screen. Uh-huh. And I notice he always does that. I don't I don't remember other actors really doing it that way. So he's got his own co- like fight choreography style too that they kind of cater to, which I think works visually. Um but yeah, I don't know, what 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 uh Adam and Kenny, what do you guys think?
3: I thought I I I don't. I mean, I as the person that's not the expert on this genre, and I was totally unfamiliar with the fact he's regarded as a bad actor by a lot of people. I never would have thought that at all. I I thought he worked. I thought the cat all the casting in this movie was great. I thought everyone was cast exactly perfectly for the role they had in this movie.
1: Yeah, and I I thought we did a really good in this movie, and I can't think off the top of my head what other Derek E. movies I've seen, so I don't really have like so a, he, a a Heroes, to compare it. He,
0: Hero shed no tears would be another one that we saw. Oh yeah, yeah. Ooh, he yeah. played that. He played the bad guy. Yeah. Um I know we've seen plenty of others. He's he's Buddhist Palm. is another one that he's in.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, um, Heaven. Uh, I always get it mixed up.
0: Heaven Sword Dragon sword, Saber. Dragon saber. But do we do that one?
2: I think you and
0: I did that one. Okay. Didn't we? I don't think we did. I think we have to put that on the list cuz I don't think we've done that one. Um, I, I think we've, we've had discussions about it, but I don't think we've actually recorded a podcast about it. Hmm. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um But yeah, no, I yeah, I th- I th- I thought he, I uh but I thought I thought he did a very good job here and, and I liked his character. He was kind of a Luke Skywalker type I thought in this one. In fact, this movie mm-hmm. kind of had a lot of those sort of it had that vibe to it there were there were a lot of really great scenes involving like the disciples and the masters and they were kind of contrasted with each other like between the ba- like the Jason Pipeow student master relationship and the Derek Yee student master relationship and the thing with the death of the father and so i i i i, I and and that scene the the there's a well, we'll talk about the fight choreography in general but that scene in the woods the fight scene between um uh, who is the, the the Supreme Swordsman and, and Shin Wu? I thought that was a really great scene and it kind of reminded me of the uh, Touch of Zen bamboo forest fight scene a little bit. Um, it just kind of had that vibe to it for some reason.
1: And I think, was that one of the scenes where um, the fighting started to get a bit weird as well with the... Um, chained uh, forward roles and like it was... Like, cause it, at, at some point um, Jason Pepehouse's character started doing really outlandish uh, martial arts moves, right? And everything was sped up. Um, the, the fight scenes were sped up and it all looked a bit weird.
0: They were doing that a lot. They kept doing the reverse crank thing and they were doing it, but they were choosing to do it at certain times and not at others, so... And I didn't
2: like that. That was the only, my only criticism with that
0: movie was I didn't like that. No, no. What's your what? What's your? Do you generally not like reverse crank, or you just didn't like the way they used it here?
2: I didn't like the way they used it here. It just it was fake to me. I knew mm. that's not the way that they would fight. So it just just looked weird to have it with some and not with all.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Cause I started noticing it. I, I mean, it came in earlier, but where I really noticed it was the, the Gu Fung and Jason Pai Piao duel. Um, oh, awesome. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which I really liked. I liked that one a lot because you really saw the tactics at work, especially when he, one of the, one of the, when Jason Pai Piao held his sword out and kind of was trying to encircle Gu Fung a little bit and just like the footwork and everything was kind of really visible on camera. Um, But I I thought that yeah I I don't know how I feel about the reverse crank in this I usually am a fan of it but it felt a little bit overly liberally used and it didn't seem like it served a purpose unless that purpose was just to shave time off the final running time or something but uh, but but I but I did like the fight choreography the the fight choreography and the performances they were really good I, I I didn't have any complaints with that I don't I don't know if you guys did.
1: It was good. Um, and, it, and part of the choreography, choreography stuff was still... like it, Yeah, the tunnel shifts. In the beginning of the movie, it was all very grounded. But then mm-hmm. as we go along, it does get stri- um, more and more outlandish. And I, looked, I would say that the, the final battle was actually more grounded than reality again. Um, it's just that everything in between the, the midpoint of the movie and the end was, was, was where it all got a bit... <laughs>
3: Um, close, to, can, close,
1: to gonzo, close to Gonzo, as you say. Yeah, we can
3: interpret it that maybe, maybe like when Derek E's character falls down at the, uh, you know, oh, at the yeah. point where he has, maybe he just maybe he just like you know basically got knocked unconscious and hallucinated the whole rest of the movie. We can kind of go with that. <laughs>
0: well, I think I think it's more key to what Adam was saying earlier, which is that like the deeper you get into the movie, the deeper you get into this really weird martial world, and so the yeah. tonal shift sort of reflects the. The like texture of that world, like you're you're meeting all these eccentric characters, and 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 so it kind of makes sense in a way. Like you're, you know, it does.
3: uh, Well, yeah, and and it it being grounded again at the Kenny's point about it being grounded at the end. It's like he's kind of come back from that. He's got on this, you know, kind of hero's journey through all this weird stuff, picked all this stuff, and now he's kind of gone back Mm -hmm. to the for for Wusha at least real normal world again. Now, what was that, Dion?
2: I was just gonna say, I I think I noticed that it was getting kind of not kind of fantastical. It was once that Jason um, Pai Piao's character combined the two, the Eagle Sword with the uh, Creed Mountain Manual. Once he mm-hmm. combined that then that's when everything started to go haywire or crazy. (laughs) But I guess Derek Yee had to learn all that craziness in order to get to that final grounded battle to be able to defeat him, uh, Jason Pykelle's character. Um, And he had to get the special sword that his father had because he knew that the sword would be able to combat the um, eagle sword and the Creed Mountain manual
0: this is the part of the movie i love i want to talk about the last battle because he his <laughs> father his father's a swordsmith he makes this great so he's with this build-up to it's like conan you know in conan they show them like 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 they're, they're 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 running the metal into the mold and all that stuff they do all that it's not quite as melodramatic or as dramatic <laughs> but it but it's still you know it's a it's a big thing that you're aware of throughout the movie and when he finally gets this sword he starts using it and it just gets chopped down to pieces like just falling apart in the battle and and i'm i'm honestly starting to think i'm like wait a second are they are they gonna do something where like the hero just dies like ingloriously (laughs) because you know his his, 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 the sword's no good and heroes sometimes just trip over and die randomly like what's going on here and, and and then the reveal at the end when it gets whittled down is there's, like, a hidden sword inside of the blade that he can now use to stab the bad guy.
1: Um, that... know, I, I was thinking, like, when the sword was broken, I thought, like, okay, this is going to be a very deep martial arts theory thing of, you know, even if you don't have a sword in your hand, if you have a sword in your heart, that's going to be a... <laughs> That's why, you know, that's why the father made this really crappy sword for him, so that he could learn that, you know, that even the Supreme Swordsman was wrong and that, you know, you don't actually need a sword to be the Supreme Swordsman, but, but no, the, was oh a, it was a hidden he, spring sword.
2: <laughs> but there are key phrases, I can't remember who said it, but they said something like, when you have the courage and the strength and the clearness of mind, you'll be ever, be able to see the secret of the sword. So then, you know, it gets all chopped up and you down and it's like, hey, yeah. I got a secret. I like that. I like hidden mechanisms in the weapons. I think that's like a really cool um, tactic to implore in movies.
0: Well, it was also meaningful because there's the this is at the hundred sword villa. So those hundred swords are right behind him. And Jason Pai character keeps offering him one of those swords. Yeah. And he says, no, I know my father's sword is broken, but I'm going to keep using my father's sword. So it's like the filial piety that his character has that the Jason Pai character doesn't because doesn't. he killed his master is on full display in that scene. And and so I think it really works thematically, like tying the whole film together. Um, did, you, did you realize
2: that both Derek Yee's character and Jason Pai character... We're told at key moments that if you had your swordsmanship is good, but if you had a better sword, you would have been able to kill me.
0: I now that you're mentioning it, I remember that, but I didn't notice that parallel while I was watching it. That's no, I, th- I think it's, I think there's definitely like, there are definitely two characters that you're sort of supposed to be following, and they're going down mm-hmm. d- like very different paths. And uh, because that scene where he like like killing your master in the genre is even kind of rare like like even like the worst villains often don't do that sort of a thing it's very that's like the worst thing you can do i think if you're a, if you're a, a wuxia hero you know um so so he's i mean once he does that that's just like uh, you know there's there's no there's no boundary he won't cross i think um but yeah i i did love that scene i thought i thought that that, that the thing i really liked about it too is that that fight scene Genuinely surprised me. I didn't once the sword started getting whittled down. Maybe I was just stupid today, but I was like, oh, my God, Derek, he's going to die. He's going to get killed by this guy. And this crappy broken sword is going to be put in the hundred sword Vila mantle. And... It, was, it was a
3: real surprise. Yeah. yeah, that sword's been built up for most of the movies. So you're like, ooh, he's got he's got the sword. Yeah, they, I mean, when it gets bent that yeah. time, as soon as it got bent, I was like, well, what's going on?
0: Well, the thing is, I was holding out hope because it gets bent, and I'm like, okay, maybe... And, and then he bends it back, and then the guy's like, you stupid idiot, as soon as a sword's bent, it's breakable. And I was like, oh, but they said it was a special kind of iron, so maybe that's its secret. Yeah, and maybe he's going to use the bending thing in some way. And then it breaks... And I'm like, okay, it's broken. Maybe there's like some additional property to the sword that is really effective when it gets down to a certain no. length.
3: And they, also, they also have the thing where pieces of it get stuck in the wall know. and he starts throwing them. I'm like, yeah. oh, maybe it's meant to break and he's yeah. got all these little daggers and he's going to kill him. <laughs> no, no, he keeps missing him. He keeps missing him. What's going to happen now? Maybe yeah, it's it's,
1: the pieces will start flying around him with the power of magnetism. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but yeah, it's it is nice how there's so many stages in that fight. I mean, it, it, it keeps you interested. I mean, I saying the ending of the fight, having him fall into his stand of swords and them, them impaling him, was pretty great too. That was a nice touch. No, You're I liked
2: it. Sword, you die by the sword.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, and, and I just loved how like by by the time he gets to the bottom of the thing, you have like no <laughs> hope left as a viewer, and then that's when he looks and he sees something, and you know it. It was really well done. The whole movie to me, I was I was delighted. This whole film, and I was just uh, frankly like I felt bad that I hadn't seen it before because it's one of these movies. where it's like I really should have seen this ages ago. Um, I you told know? you, yeah, you no, know, Dion was <laughs> mad at me that I hadn't seen this movie, and I think she had every right to be. I was, uh, it's it's like it's a movie that shouldn't have been neglected. You know, sometimes I felt that way when I saw Hero Shed No Tears. I was like, how have I never seen this movie? Um, you know, it's, it's that kind of a film. Um, and I, and again, I was, I, 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 said the same thing about Duel to Death because we covered it on Thursday at Musha Workshop, but it's this interesting blend of quality and zaniness that, you know, just sort of like, like, like there's, they get into zany territory, but there's, there's a, there's a real, it's, it's, the whole film is grounded in very good filmmaking. And I think that that really holds it together. I love
2: Duel to the Death. That's one a of good, my favorites.
0: It's a, it's a really good... Have
2: we ever done Duel to the Death on here? I thought we did. We'll have to look at look back yeah. at it. Yeah, and there's a really good interview with Norman Chu about um, Duel to the
0: Death on YouTube. So if we haven't done it, we should watch that interview and discuss it because uh, I feel like we... I, I don't know if we have either. It's funny. We do so many movies now. It's like it's we can't even remember if we've done one sometimes. But Duel to the Death is a that's that's a really good movie to watch after a film like this one um and it's and it's so different too even though i, I think it was made before this one it's filmed to, in a totally different way um wh- what did you guys think of the comedy in this did the comedy work for you oh go ahead. I
1: about about uh, sort of like the sword um and i know i was saying it was a massive twist but in hindsight it was actually kind of foreshadowed uh mm-hmm. in the fight with the um the the rumor monger person the scholarly person
3: mr know-it-all mr yeah.
1: know-it-all was that his name uh,
3: uh it was something like that yeah they already gave a translation of his name in the subtitles and it was i think it was mr know-all or something well, how, how did he foreshadow it
1: because his sword was the sword within the sword within the sword within the sword
0: oh okay <laughs> okay that's very clever. Yeah, the, see this movie has a lot of little things like that. That's why I wish I had seen it more. Like and also the scene when when uh, when Jason Pipl first confronts the supreme swordsman and he throws that scroll at him and he slices it down, slices the, middle, it down uh, the middle and then there's like a and then it turns into like a meaningful phrase because it's, you know, you have to read it, you know, top down as two different lines. I thought that was uh, I thought that was really clever.
1: But yeah, I just wanted to mention that because it just occurred to me. Oh yeah, no, it, it, that that th- th- weird things within swords was actually foreshadowed already, briefly. <laughs> so it's a bit of a Chekhov's gun type thing. Like it wasn't, it was like it wasn't just there to be cool. You know, it was actually a hint as to the actual secret of the uh, the sword that the father made.
0: But uh, but but I guess getting to the comedy. Did did the comedy work for you with the with the with the goofy masters and the sort of the forest monk scene or any of the other comedic moments?
1: I thought it worked, like, traditionally in Wuxia, you always have weird old people, mm. and it not, I wouldn't say that it's not complete without them, but, um, as part of a hero's journey in Wuxia, you tend to encounter eccentric people who, you yeah, know, take you under their wing, maybe, maybe teach you some martial arts because they like the cut of your jive or whatever, yeah. and, um... I feel like it added to the story because you have these eccentric people who you know nothing about, and yeah, and only towards the end you sort of learn that oh, they're, they're all part of the same sect anyway. So um, I I like that they were strange, and everybody in that sense kind of strange actually, come to think of it. Yeah, <laughs> or the yeah, the, the, was... the six elders were all kind of weird.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's like the, I, I I like the scene where the three grandfathers show because that's where the, you really get the tone shift. It's like I remember right before the scene where they duel for the, first, like they you know, right, right before the grandfather scene, when he loses the fight, the beginning of that fight, I'm kind of looking at the time and I'm like, we're only yeah. halfway through this movie. I feel like, I already feel like I've watched an entirely satisfying wuxia film. Yeah. What are they going to do for the second hour here? It wasn't, it wasn't like a board kind of asking. It was just like, I, I, I feel like I've eaten the full meal already. That, and then, then you hit that scene. It's such a different flavor. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm, yeah okay I'm ready ready for the movie just go in this completely new direction now
0: Time for the no, yeah. that no that, that's why tonal <laughs> shifts work like that because you 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 know if, if it had been an additional 45 minutes of everything that led up to that it might have gotten boring who knows like it, you might have you might have started to lose interest but because it shifts tone it's like ooh something new and interesting and and a lot of movies in this period are like that they shift tone dramatically sometimes so yeah I'm sorry, Dion, were you going to say something?
2: I enjoyed the comedy. I always seem to like when uh, three old fools kind of show up in a movie. They always make things really interesting and fun. And I think that the tonal shift was needed. Otherwise, you would have gotten completely bored and turned off by the movie with the length of the movie if it was just the same monotonous thing over again. But I like the way it was shifted. It worked.
0: And, and I have to say, I had the same exact reaction that Adam had at the 45-minute mark, where I was like, wait a second, it's only 45 minutes in, and it looks like we're about to get... To... Like, I know that he might lose, and he has to fight him again, but what's that going to take, 20 minutes? You know, so, like, I was I was starting to wonder what was going to happen.
1: Um, it's funny, because I hit that point much earlier in the movie, like, at the sort of quarter... <laughs> uh, movie, mark. I started thinking, okay, so we've covered quite a lot of ground already. So the <laughs> dad's, the, so the father's obviously going to die here, and then the son will train and then fight. But that wouldn't, that shouldn't take another hour and a uh fifteen minutes, should it? <laughs> and I just found myself like quite surprised at how, how much further. Because this least what I was saying before about how how much they actually fit into this movie and how all the plot points are woven together without feeling like there's too much of anything or too little of anything else. Because it, it was just like it it's all very cohesive, um, despite how much content there is here.
0: No, I I uh, I, I I would agree with that. Um, now, one thing I wanted to ask, but I don't know if anybody noticed this. Um, Remember the antidote that the the weird uh, forest monks used, the grandpas used to, to, to heal him? Remember they started stuffing his face with all kinds of antidotes and stuff? Yeah, like or black
2: yeah. lizard and some kind of eggshell and just a whole well, bunch
0: of weird stuff. Well, but some of them sounded like movie titles. They said like Blood Parrot. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I did notice that. I wanted to say that because Black Lizard, I just watched that like two days ago. Black Lizard Lizard and Jade Tiger.
0: And the bat, the bat could have been like Legend of the Bat or Bat Without Wings. Bat Without Wings. Yeah. Yeah. And then the metamorphosis of the silkworm that could have been Bastard Swordsman. You know, like, oh, yeah. So yeah, I, you're right. you're I was right. thinking like, oh, they're like referencing all these movies. They're putting like they're putting like the wuxia movies into this guy. And like maybe that's like, you know, like I was I was like, <laughs> this is getting really meta. Um,
3: <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see when in 83 it came out, because I think that's the same year that, that Bastard Swordsman came out. So like it could have been a movie that just came out even or even you know, I guess it could have been being worked on at the same time, too.
0: Yeah, no, it was, and again, I mean, you know, maybe, but but once I saw, I was like, "Blood Parrot." That's a really weird thing. Like, I could get the, I, I could I could dismiss Black Lizard and Bat being <laughs> yes. paired, but but Blood Parrot is like a very specific kind of movie reference. Um, so I thought that was cool. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. Um, and I was expecting to see more of it, but then there was never any additional stuff that I could that I could find in the in the scene. Um. But, uh, but, yeah, so that really intrigued me and and I'd like to really go back now and see, like, well, what's the pattern? like why those movies? you know, like <laughs> what, what, what about those movies are we are, are, are we drawing on? Um, and uh, and so so yeah, so you know, I, I thought the comedy worked, and I thought that the uh, I thought even the regular fight choreography in this movie was sort of done in a way that reminded me of really well done slapstick, like not that it was funny, but that it was like, very inventive and it was sort of like like the guy would block and then he'd drop his sword down and stick it in the ground and then he'd take his hands off you know it was like all very sort of like whoa what is he going to do next with his physical movement it was almost tiring watching some of the fight choreography so i felt like there was a a slapstick quality even to the serious stuff in that in that way but um but yeah so i don't know i guess uh you know moving on to sort of like uh, unless is there anything that we haven't covered yet does anybody feel like there's something that we missed in the discussion before we move on to sort of the recommendations and ratings of the movie
1: um i think we've, we've, we've talked about most of the major things i'm sure after we end the recording it's going to be the usual case of ah oh, damn it there's a we should have talked about that but for now i think we've yeah covered most i guess oh maybe with the I guess we spoke about the the sword already, but um, we didn't really talk about the eagle sword. I don't think there's anything special about that, though. Like, and and the swords in general that um, Chimaerushin collected was yeah, all of them were supposed to be precious swords. But I'm just trying to think of what 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 does that actually mean in the setting. What what is what precisely con- constitutes a precious sword?
0: Here's what I was thinking because when he pulled the, there's a scene when he goes to the smiths and he pulls a sword off the shelf and he tests it. And he says, ooh, very, you know, he says, like, you know, this isn't bad. It reminded me of going to a music store and picking up a guitar off the shelf and being like, well, okay, you know, like getting a feel for it. So I felt like these are like just really well made swords. Like that's sort of, you know, but that's a meaningful thing. Like there's a difference between playing like a, you know, a guitar that costs like $2,000 and a guitar that costs $200. You can, you can feel the difference when you're playing them. And, and so I think that was the, uh, uh, I think it was more that they were well crafted and well balanced and and reliable and didn't break in battle than
1: that they were like super significant. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because I was just surprised that he got 99. Like, usually when I think of precious swords or precious weapons in Mushar, it's stuff like Heavenly Sword, Dragon Saber, yeah. or in this movie, it would be the and Jian and the, uh, the, the Chenyan Sword and the Eagle Sword. These named weapons that uh, have maybe a properties, oh yeah, that were super well-made. Like, everything else, like, I don't know what... what Maybe he had very low standards of what a good sword actually was. <laughs> but, swords,
2: but it wasn't about the swords when he collected the 99. What it was about was he was defeated 99 very good swordsmen. So you assume that the swords had to be good in order for them to be good swordsmen because the sword is essentially the extension of the swordsman. So if you're beating a good swordsman, you're collecting a good yeah. sword. And he wanted to you know, beat the top 100... Swordsman, so that he could be the supreme swordsman because he had the the supreme swordsman had the best sword they thought ever made at that time. But
0: oh, go ahead, I'm sorry.
2: But I don't think really to me the swords weren't all that precious because, especially when, um, if he used his sword to beat those. 99 other guys and then he went to go and fight the uh, supreme swordsman and he couldn't beat the supreme swordsman and actually his sword was split down the middle like the scroll was then what does it say about the other swords that he used that he defeated with his own sword so i don't think those swords are really precious i think it was just more about the names of the people that he defeated until he realized that his own sword wasn't good so he went on for the search for a really good sword that would defeat the supreme swordsman's specially made sword
0: i i really like the collector aspect to it because number one once you start a collection you just can't you gotta keep going you know it's like you just like you got 10 swords and then you want to get 10 more and then it just becomes this huge thing but also my 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 uh my grandfather on my other side of the family not the backhander grandfather used to collect belt buckles because he was a truck driver from you know and you'd get them from all different states and like you can, you can just see how these things just grow and sprawl like that. And I don't know, I, I, the the fact that there's like this backstory, like Dion was saying, like every sword represents a defeated foe, is really, it's a really cool. That's a really cool eccentric thing to do. You know, it's like a like I, I had so much respect for that character when I realized that's what he was up to. You know, it's like like I'm like that's that's a really good goal for. Like, like, martial arts are all about goals, and that's a really good goal to set for yourself if you're in this sort of martial world and trying to make a name for yourself.
1: Yeah, I think I, I'm, my confusion for that mostly stemmed from the fact that he was saying treasure's sword in Chinese every time he referred to his collection. So I guess it makes sense if we consider it from treasures from from the the original wielder point of view rather than the actual swords themselves being precious and that yeah that that would make sense
0: but also there might have been a thing going on where they were kind of like i, I don't know how to put this like they were sort of putting a twist on that because like the juan Yuan sword is a, that's like a legendary sword right like that's like a that's a big name to drop and the the supreme swordsman ends up breaking it in two right and then and then giving it to him it's like it's like the ultimate like the sword. It's like this great sword doesn't even really matter. I just broke it with my hands. You know, here you go. Um, you know, so like I, I think that maybe 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 that was kind of part of the point of it. Like that they were sort of uh, and and even with like the sword at the end, like you know the the great sword that his father made was just getting broke. You know, we found out there was a blade in the middle, but like it's just kind of getting reduced and and falling apart. And it felt like. Uh, like none of the swords felt like they were super spectacular um, or that they did anything like they kept talking about how you need a great sword to defeat a great swordsman but they they weren't really doing anything special except for like breaking you know it's funny because
1: yeah I, I was trying to figure out if the supreme swordsman was you know at, at a higher level compared to everyone else where he you know he, and he was actually trying to guide Chimichin in, in not, not necessarily like a, as a master, I think, but as like a sort of a, a brief teaching moment. It's like, well, okay, first you've you, you've 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 marshaled your sort of, you, you've got your foot in the door for for becoming a, a master swordsman. Your next step is to get a good sword to hone your skills, mm-hmm. and then the ultimate state is just to break the sword and you no longer need it. Because he technically speaking, the supreme swordsman kind of beats uh, Jim um, Jim with a paintbrush, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's that's sort of like. It implies to me that there was a realm where where weapons no longer matter and kind of also why i thought that at the end when the sword uh, when um eagle when uh, the father's sword was broken i was like well is that going to be him awakening to this philosophy because the three old men were saying like oh if only if only um Derek Yee's character could amalgamate of all of the martial arts into one and, and use it uh, freely as his own, Then he'll be able to be unparalleled type of thing. Uh, and King, okay, this is going to be a moment where he combines what, what he's learned along with his insight uh, to the fact that the sword is not important. But, spring sword is cool as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
4: no,
0: uh, I, I think there's a lot to that. I think there's a lot to that. And, and I feel like the Supreme Swordsman, that was kind of his thing. Like, he was sort of... He, he 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 seemed to be a reformer of people in a way like that's kind of what happened with the um with the original magic clan right like they they were they, they were they were sort of sent on a better path so maybe he was hoping to do that with chin wu and chin wu was just you know in walking dead terms too far
3: gone to uh yeah. and i think i think you know Kenny, what you're saying i mean i think you would agree you can even read it in the ending you did get cuz it's not like the greatness of the sword wanted it was a trick it was like it was a very clever trick but it wasn't like it made it you know the the, the, i don't know i mean i i don't think the movie does ever show that i I think i think you're right that there was somewhat somewhat of a message that the uh, sword ultimately doesn't matter
0: well and i guess also i I guess yeah because 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 it is a sort of situation where the father is sort of using the um the villain's obsession with the sword against him in that scene right because he He's so focused on whittling our... the sword down. <laughs> yeah, well, not just that, but like, I mean, he's commenting throughout the battle. Like, I thought your father was this great, you know, swordsmith, and this is like a piece of crap. Do you know what I mean? Like, like he's yeah. he's just sort of said he's sort of underestimating it as a result of you know, and so uh, and so, but but what I, but I don't know that that scene was just I I really like that the father had that kind of forethought, but I was also wondering if maybe Derek E knew because. He, he had put the mold together, right? Like that was his job was to, to set it in the mold. So I was wondering if maybe he had some hint uh, that other people didn't about the, the the true, you know, sort of, you know, uh, secret of the, of the sword.
2: It didn't seem that way to me um, from the expression on his face when he noticed mm. that the sword that was, uh, there was another sword in there. It was kind of like, an aha moment for him. Um, I think that he had a hand Well, we know he had a hand in making the mold and setting it and everything. But I think the father did a lot of work when he wasn't around yeah. that was able to keep that a secret.
0: Yeah. I think you're probably him. right. Cause
2: when he went um, away to visit Crow at um, Jason P- Piao's place, um, he probably worked on it then and maybe at night and, just kept a lot of it hidden from him cause he knew he would need it some someday. So it was just,
0: yeah, that was a, and I did like that scene when Jason Pipeo walked into the Smiths and like, I'm, i want this sword and you know, I want the one you're making. And he's like, no. And he, he's like, well, I'm going to be back in three days and you're going to get, or 10 days and you're going to give me the sword. Um, you know, he was a very sort of, uh, uh, very haughty villain at that point. Um, so yeah so why don't we get into the recommendations and the rating of the movie on a scale of like say one out of, uh, one to five. Uh, I guess going from I'm gonna go uh, in order on my screen from Kenny to Adam to Dion. Uh, you know, wh- how would you rate the movie? Would you recommend it to people? Any parting thoughts on it?
1: I would actually say this is a five for me. Like I thoroughly enjoyed the movie and I think anybody who likes Wha movies, um, especially ones which have a slightly deeper hint of the Hu and plot uh, behind it would definitely like this movie as well like a lot of the things it, it, like the characters in the movie sort of evoke a bit of imagination as well you think oh there's this is mr know-it-all and then these swordsmiths and uh, an entire sect that went into seclusion and then um, yeah I I, re- I really enjoyed it and I do think this is yeah, it, it, both a hero's journey and a bit of an epic as well, in in, in in the sense of scale that a story can have.
3: Yeah.
1: Um. And yeah, definitely recommend this.
3: Yeah, I, I'd be willing to give this a five too. I I mean, I I just watched this right before the podcast, so I haven't had a huge amount of time to digest it, but I I enjoyed every minute of this movie. Like I said, the time check I did in the middle wasn't a. Oh my god, how much time is left? It was. Wow, how can you know how are they going to fit more in here? And uh, yeah, and it's it's definitely something I'd recommend to people. I think I think it's something it, it feels having having watched a lot of Usha movies now, it's like it's it's really it's it's really an exciting one, even if you're used to the genre. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it would also be something I'd recommend to people if they haven't seen any. I feel like it would also be a good introduction as well. So it's just an all round. Very good movie in this genre.
2: I'm going to give it a 4.8. I've really thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It's one of my top five. I think it's probably one of my top three um, favorite Derek E. movies. I think it was very well put together. It was fun at the end. Um, I liked the tonal shift that it had. I loved the characters. Um, I think it was just was a, a really good entertaining movie and I definitely recommend it to people.
0: Yeah. And, and I'd, g- I'd give it a four. That was my initial rating when I asked the question. So I'm going to stick with my four, but I do think that it's the kind of movie that I could definitely bump up after watching over, you know, you know, the course of several months or years and, and, and deciding, okay, this is definitely a five. Cause I'm usually pretty slow to give the five, but, uh, mm. but, but I thought this was a great movie. And I was like Adam was saying, it, it, what I liked about it is it was very refreshing. And I've seen a lot of Wuxia movies, even refreshing w- ones, but this one still surprised me. It's still, you know, it may be sometimes you watch so much Wuxia, you know, you'll watch a movie and you'll be like, oh, I'm a little little tired of some of the genre tropes or whatever, you know, it's getting a little stale. This movie is not stale. It's And, it, and, it, and it's not stale in an interesting way. It doesn't just sort of like throw everything at the wall and see what's to see what sticks it takes some chances but it still stays grounded and uh and it's and it still feels like you said like a proper wuxia movie that would be a good introduction to the genre so um and and again there was like some really good filmmaking underneath it and i think just in the course of the discussion we were all noticing things about the movie that were uh that that made it feel like this was a movie that was well thought out it wasn't just sort of they kind of put it together and you know Tried to make things work, they really planted a lot of seeds that played dividends over the course of the movie, and um and I'm looking forward to watching it again. Like I, this is a movie where I'm like I need to see this movie a second time and a third to really absorb everything about it. So so I would highly recommend it, and and it is on Prime, so people can go and check it out. We'll put a link in the description, and next week we're, we're we'll be back with another sword theme movie, and uh, I think that uh that on on wuxia workshop uh me and joel are going to be doing 36 chamber of shaolin and we'll also be doing uh magic blade so you guys have that to look forward to and uh and again just uh you know uh before we head out uh if you if you if you're if you want to check out our patreon we have different rewards and and uh tiers that you can sign up for and those will help us continue with the podcast and so until next week we'll talk to you later